0: Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm in the studio with Britney Spanos and Rob Sheffield. We are going to talk about the best songs of 2019, and that'll probably broaden out to the best music of 2019. We're going to try not to linger too much over things we've already talked about on the podcast because we've done various updates throughout last year. But, you know, if we repeat, we repeat. It's, uh, It's good to have you both on here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year.
0: And Rob, you were saying you're already looking forward to looking back at 2019. You're already feeling, (laughs) you're already, the new big thing is 2019 nostalgia.
2: Absolutely. And in terms of year where quality of music like compares sharply to quality of literally everything else, it's one of those years.
0: That is a very fair point. Maybe we could do something hard and try to sum up what 2019 was in songs and music Rob, go. (laughs) It's super hard. Oh, my gosh. I guess... uh, uh, If anyone could do it, we'd have just anyone out.
2: On the positive side, like the fact that, you know, a teenager from Atlanta with no job, no prospects, no no resume whatsoever, just comes out of nowhere, finds a nine-inch nails banjo sample that he leases for $30 and turns it into the biggest hit of all time. That's a beautiful thing in terms of like something that could only happen in music and could only happen now it's a beautiful thing
0: i know a 7 year old who could not believe that old town road was a new yeah. song <laughs> That it hadn't been around, that it wasn't some kind of like folk song like "This Land Is Your <laughs> Land." True story. It already seems like it is.
1: Yeah. Old Town Road is my favorite Pete Seeger song. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Actually, in the upcoming Bob Dylan biopic, in order to make it seem more contemporary, they're just kind of kind of insert that in. Yeah. As a. Yeah,
1: as a, as a I can't wait standard. for Timothée's cover. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: I can't. Yes. <laughs>
2: Got no stress. I've been through all that. Like a Bowman, man. I just kick on back. <laughs> the-
0: Brian, wish I could old t- take it all down to the old town road. It's the old weird yee <laughs> agenda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, Brittany, do the same. Do the same impossible thing. What what was 2019 in music to you?
1: I mean, I think that it's become more more of a thing for the last, you know, five-ish, ten years where it's definitely a lack of an overarching trend or overarching sound that's happening. And I think this year was really where it was put to the test. I think past years, at least, you know, there's at least been like one popular trend that's kind of hit most of the top singles, you know, especially in the last couple of years. It's been from trap and a lot of rap subgenres have been sort of the big through line in everything. But this year it was all over the place. I mean, every number one song, every major radio hit every album from artists i mean i think there's a lot of really great career albums from pop artists especially but none of them like they could have been any random year like there's no 2019 sound
0: yeah absolutely yeah yeah the center could not hold but it was kind of it really was kind of a great thing yeah there's a lot
1: of really strong albums and songs from every artist and a lot of really great singles that feel like timeless singles for a lot of artists which is really cool and happening at once but also like you could tell me any year that they came out, and I would have been like, sure.
0: Let's make both of you happy and start with a Harry Styles song. Absolutely. What have we done to deserve this, Brian? (laughs) Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Well, also, since we were begging you to tell us just one thing about the music you heard and you wouldn't tell us, so now that we've heard it, we can talk (laughs) at least about the song that's I did list. Sorry, I I felt like
2: Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now. I'm not disposed to discuss that album if it did exist, sir. Uh, Yes, well, as we all know now, fantastic album really like a cover-all-the-bases sort of pop masterpiece. I'm sure Britney concurs. But, I
0: do. But Lights Up specifically was the one that I think made your list and the collective Wrong Stone list. Yeah. Maybe you guys can talk about, once we get to the meat of this song, maybe you guys could talk about what you see the influences are on in this particular song and this particular sound. Because there's, there's tracks that are more like this. There's tracks that are more kind of like... yeah mellow rock classicist but yeah sorry harry i'll let you sing
1: It's way more pop than his debut it's a lot looser it's interesting how a lot of the lyrics are kind of these breakup songs and they're kind of him analyzing the end of a relationship and also how he acted in a relationship but they are very much more upbeat a lot more you know again a lot more pop stuff i think adore you is probably my favorite song from the album um kind of has gone back and forth between Adore You and Cherry, but I love the kind of upbeat, dancey, summery pop of this album.
2: Yeah, it's, it's very, very uh, emotional, it, very disco, and not just in terms of, like, the percussion, but also just, you know, the emotional stepping into the light. Lights Up reminds me a bit of a Charday song, you know, wow. from, like, the Sweetest Taboo kind of era of Charday, which I, is the I, highest compliment for me.
0: I got a little Robbie Williams.
2: Totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. And the version he did on Saturday Night Live just stripped down to just piano, acoustic, showing that, you know, turning it into a totally different song. It's just really beautiful. Mm-hmm.
0: And why don't we move from Harry to his opening act for part of his tour next year, which is among the coolest things I've heard recently, an amazing choice, uh, Jenny Lewis, who I'm a total Jenny Lewis stand and have been for a very long time. She's one of the last classic rockers. She is as good as... You know, any sort of like 70s singer songwriter you can name. Uh, she's both highly rated and yet underrated. And this whole album is amazing. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's, I think, a, a couple songs between uh, the Rolling Stone list and our list. Wasted Youth is, I, that was, the, I think, the first single from the album. And that, that song breaks my heart a little bit. And it's so cheery about it, you know. And there's some lines that just like tear at your soul. I don't, Yeah, yeah very
2: forgiving mm-hmm. song, very intense
0: in the running for best bridge of the year uh there's a lot of taylor swift bridges that are in sharp competition among other people Oh, we will come to those taylor bridges taylor was like
2: oh you know what bridges you thought i was good at bridges i'm gonna give you an entire album of bridges i i love how it's perfect double bill jenny lewis and harry styles Two artists with very different audiences mm. who would n- nonetheless, like all Jenny Lewis fans, would love the Harry Styles record, and all Harry Styles fans would love the Jenny Lewis record. Yeah, and for such a seemingly disparate pairing, it's it's really kind of perfect.
1: Also, very similar aesthetics for these album rollouts. A lot of sequins from both of them, so I'm in, I'm gonna enjoy a very, very sparkly show from yes. the two.
2: Also, both fetishistic about the room where Carol King recorded <laughs> Tapestry because when. You know, Harry played me his album for the first time. He really wanted it to be in the room, in the actual studio, <laughs> the actual studio within the studio, the actual room where Carol King made tapestry. And then I saw that Jenny Lewis actually recorded her album in that room on the same piano that Carol King used. <laughs> These guys, very much kindred spirits across the years. Uh, and also, both, at this point, they're both artists with very long, very fruitful careers. Yeah. They both have lots of bangers.
0: So the, the album is on the line. The other song that I think made one of the lists is Red Bull and Hennessy, also an amazing song. Yeah, so good. that's my favorite from the it, album. It, is, this, is this her best album? I mean, I'm a... Big fan. I don't know if I could ever let go of Rabbit Fur Coat. Oh, I love um, the
1: Voyager. The Voyager but, is my favorite Jenny album. The thing is, like,
0: she's so good that yeah. we can have this argument. Yes, I mean, Rabbit Fur Coat to me is like, you know, it's one of the best albums of all time. It's just stunning, and it kind of stands alone because she didn't quite return to that sound. It has the uh, those backing vocals that are amazing, but this is certainly a good runner for her best album. Mm. I mean, she's again like a pretty under a major and underrated artist because she also kind of just doesn't give a shit in a totally Gen X kind of way, like (laughs) like she's not out there flogging herself. Like you know, you just have to realize how awesome she is. When she
2: does something at all, it's something from the heart. But Mm -hmm. honestly, like this, I might call this my favorite Jenny Lewis album. And for somebody who's been doing it for twenty years, to make an album that at least is a very credible contender for their best, absolutely unbelievable.
0: Mm -hmm. And just casually have Ringo Starr and drums on it, amazing, right? (laughs) Because why not? Who doesn't?
2: Also, like that she's repping Gen X is. Uh, definitely a compliment to Gen X, considering the, the other lifers who insist on going on repping Gen X. Like, it's a credit to the Gen. You mentioned Lizzo. i got to give, like, Britney, like, unbelievable. Britney's always way ahead of everybody else when it comes to, like, discovering what's cool. But Brittany was literally the first person who ever loved Truth Hurts, you know? Like, the whole world takes years to catch up with where Britney was three years ago.
1: Amazing. It's a great song. I'm glad it finally got Stu. I'm glad that someone great, film about a Rolling Stone writer... Brought it Amazing. back to, yes. to life. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm glad that that song definitely blew up, and I, I think it was it was time. Absolutely. And Rob,
0: consistent to his theory that a song counts for a list in the year that it made its impact has put this two-year-old song on his mm. list of the best songs of 2019 it's, it's, which makes sense
2: and it's something you hear in the wild all the time it's yeah. on the radio all the time you hear it in the supermarket all the time and it, it definitely does not sound dated and it's kind of thing like you hear it and think oh my god i love this one and it's funny to think that this is an artist who's done so much stuff since then you know and, and it,
1: it fits into because i love you her album like it doesn't it doesn't feel like like you said like it doesn't feel dated like it doesn't feel like it's outside of an era and heavy air quotations around it but like I think kind of using that sort of as one of the great songs of this year even though it's two years old works
2: absolutely could have had juice how great is the Harry Styles version of juice so
1: good
0: (laughs) perfect
2: cover
1: (laughs) yeah what
0: what's your pick from this actual album because as people should understand that song was not from her new album right yeah
1: I would say my favorite from the album is Jerome I think that one's great i think it's super fun her voice sounds incredible i think that it's just i mean it's just like so the lyrics are so conversational across the entire album but that song especially to turn a ballad into this kind of like funny just like really kind of like a little mean and also really just like cheeky and great so it's lovely
0: One of the year's absolute best albums that we haven't actually talked much about on the show is by Lana Del Rey. And The Greatest is the song that I think made both the collective list and the Rob list. And it it is uh, definitely among the greatest songs called The Greatest. It, it is be, the
2: greatest is maybe, of greatest. <laughs> it is so great. And even on an album, it's like jam-packed as, yeah. as the Lana Del Rey album. That one is just...
1: It's like an album full of just like really epic closing songs for albums. Like every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is like the last song. Every time I listen to The Greatest, especially, <laughs> no, I'm like, totally. this is the last song of the album. I'm like, no, there's like Still "Happiest as a <laughs> the Butterfly. There's still like hope is a dangerous thing for a woman to have but i have it which great title but it's just like full of these like really epic long kind of just drawn out power ballads and it's perfect but the greatest is i mean lyrically and also just sonically just like peak lana everything that she's sort of been building towards for years
0: those nights were on fire because I have to admit, when everyone was talking about World War III the other day, I, the, the lines, the the culture is lit, and is, if this is it, I had a ball definitely went through my head. I hate to say it, but... I, I mean, what I,
1: a world-burning song. I, I, yes, <laughs> I have
2: to yeah. say, like, in terms of it's a song that sounds like... Absolutely, that of is the moment—an
1: like, apocalypse oh, look, soundtrack. If I've ever heard one. Yes. Oh look, the live that's, stream's yeah. almost on.
2: Like
0: that's gonna be when the president gives his farewell address while the missile's in the air. He's gonna quote that. Yeah. Uh,
2: if the world makes it to a, a remake of Doctor Strange Love, that'll be the song playing at the end yeah. as Slim Pickens <laughs> rides the, the missile down.
1: I mean, it's just so good. I mean, this entire album. I've been a fan of Lana since Born to Die, but I think that she's she's an artist who has very visibly grown with every single album like every time a new album of hers comes out i'm like oh this is her best one yeah like this is legitimately like this is like everything that she's been working towards but Nor fucking rockwell is just like above and beyond and every yeah. song in and, there and is and great also, I thought
2: we were talking before about how you know this year people got so fetishistic about laurel canyon mm-hmm. 70s california pop like jenny lewis and yeah. harry styles and taylor swift and everybody and lana was like yeah I'm going to make all those records at the same time. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like you think of, like entire careers that are encapsulated within just, you know, this song alone,
1: and Taylor had a really great quote during yeah. an award show where she said that Lana and she specifically pointed her out as one of the most influential artists of the past decade. It's so true. I mean, yeah. every single every single pop artist has bitten off of Lana's entire thing. I would also
0: posit. I was really thinking about. I think Taylor's right, but I was also really thinking about what that meant for Taylor. Mm -hmm. The other thing I want to say about Lana is that when the album came out, and it's kind of like she showed her hand as far as how incredibly smart she is on this, and people were like, oh my God, she's kind of like Father John Misty. Wait, she actually said that in her Rolling Stone cover story however many years ago when we talked about it, she said the contemporary artist that she feels she had the most in common with was Father John Misty. And I think this album really kind of shows where she was coming from with that in case anyone had any doubts. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anything else on The Greatest before we, we move on? It's perfect.
2: It's yeah. perfect. Also, also just that great 70s LA tradition of the end of the world song, which mm-hmm. you know those people were all obsessed with which I'm sure had nothing to do with the drugs that they were all doing at the time, which I'm sure Lana's not doing at all. But that's, that's such a, a perfect aspect of the genre to f- focus in on super laser-like and do. I'm going to do the end-of-the-world song for all end-of-the-worlds.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, one of my favorite cultural theses is the, idea that, is the idea that the 70s never ended, which is kind of most um, brilliantly put forth by the book Nixonland this sort of feeling of decline of the 70s, the feeling of, of, you know, especially in America, that the best days are behind us, that there's a recession, that everything's shrinking, that anything in between that felt like a break from that was only a break, and that we're sort of back mentally. So it's very interesting that we have artists hearkening back to the 70s. What else? There's so much between Rob's list and the Rolling Stone list. Where should we go? What what, what song do you want to talk about?
2: We were talking about Lana and Lana's and Taylor calling Lana the most influential pop artist of the decade. What's the best song on on the Taylor album?
0: That's a really tough one. I mean, for me, it's between Cruel Summer and the title track. And then, but then there's a lot of, uh, what about you?
1: Those are definitely my top two. I think that Cruel Summer is like maybe by a hair my favorite because I feel like there's a lot of songs that I'm, I, Loved, but like that was the first one that I really immediately loved a lot, and I think the title track, which speaking of like Rabbit for Coat, sounds so much like Rabbit for Coat, mm. but I love that song, and I think that with every listen I grow to love it more, and it feels like her like most instantly classic song from the album, yeah,
2: classic and and such a surprise when it dropped. It's funny because this album, there's so much. When I was updating my list of like all the Taylor Swift songs, mm-hmm. it, but it was funny that I kept thinking like, okay, like I really. Am I just, like, so blown away by the the new songs? But there's just, you know, both Cruel Summer and Lover are both in the top five. Those are just, like, perfect Taylor Swift songs.
1: Yeah. And also, I mean, on an, an album full of bridges, the Cruel Summer bridge is number one. Yes. there's I mean, I know she <laughs> loves the, the Lover bridge, but the Cruel Summer bridge is just, it's perfect.
2: Yeah. The bridges are just kind of crazy. Also, yeah. the songs aren't that long, but yeah. they seem super, like, epic just because she puts a 90-second
0: bridge in a three-minute song. Yeah. I must say we did do an entire episode about the Taylor Swift <laughs> album. So as much as I, my own instinct is to linger here, but, but let's <laughs> was, was, was just grab the wheel and steer us away. <laughs> Bye, Taylor. Let's just randomly... Tower of the Creator made a really strong album that it took me a while to... His fans were convinced it's like a masterpiece and his best album ever. It took me a while to kind of warm to it. Certainly his song Earthquake is really good.
1: Yeah. No, it's really... Yeah. Did I'm... that make your last... You're like, eh. But I... <laughs>
0: I mean, he's kind of edging into that Frank Ocean territory, and uh, it's it's worth hearing at least.
1: Yeah.
0: And let's veer into a band that Rob likes a lot called Mannequin Pussy, who are awesome. They uh, are awesome. Yes, I think they're another one who like have one song on our on the main list, one song on your list. But uh, tell us a little bit about this band.
2: Until now, they're from Philly. Until now, they're pretty much like they made hardcore records. Their records were, you know, 20 minutes where, like, each song was like a minute or so of, like, bam, bam, bam. Fantastic songwriters <laughs> in that format. And this time, uh, she set out to write bridges and choruses. She, you know, she said Taylor was a big influence on this album, as, as well as Lady Antebellum and, the you know, the Dixie Chicks. She was trying <laughs> to write that kind of song in a punk rock format. And so a song like you know drunk too which is just absolutely perfect breakup song that's
0: the one where she's like I, I was drunk so i forgot that we broke up yeah <laughs> i love that. that that song's hilarious yeah
2: fantastic guitar fantastic band just really like also like a band that seemed like they had this zone where they were fantastic and they just stepped into a much bigger zone and with everything that was quirky and weird about them intact
0: And uh, from Normani, Rob pick Motivation. Would that have been I mean, your pick by her?
1: I love that song. I'm so, I'm excited for everything that Normani is doing. And I think that she's going to be like, she's going to be massive probably by the end of the year. I mean, she just released a really great song with Megan Thee Stallion last night, but she's just really, I don't know. She's really exciting. I think she's a great performer. Motivation. I mean, it's both like the video song combination is insane. I mean, the video is Has all these like throwback references to J Lo and Britney Spears videos, and I mean her dancing is absolutely incredible. And motivation's just really fun. It's a really fun pop song, co-written by Ariana Grande, which is great. Just a really, it's a great debut like solo solo song from her, as she's done like a lot of collaborations over the last couple of years.
0: You can really hear the Ariana-ness in there. Yeah, The Fifth Harmony
2: legacy just yeah. keeps expanding.
1: They've all released solo songs now.
2: Yardbirds of the decade.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's Claro.
1: What's the deal with Claro?
2: Fantastic songwriter. Like another like one of, you know, like so many great examples this year. Like Lil Nas X or Billy, like this, you know, super young, basically like all they've got is like brilliant songs and that's that's enough to make them a big deal. Like you can come out of nowhere and be pretty much a nobody with these great songs and still find your your audience.
0: Karen O made an album with Danger Mouse that didn't make much of an impact on me. It sort of sounded too much like exactly what I imagined an album by Karen O and Danger Mouse would be like. But this song that you picked out from it, uh, when I listened to it on its own and fully Rob recommended, I was like, that's a cool song. I think it's called Woman.
2: Yeah, I love that song. Danger Mouse did something cool that he was just like making a science fiction movie starring Karen O. And, you know, she was scripting her role within that. And it was such a perfect mix of sensibilities. It was really kind of beautiful.
0: And Cash Shit by Megan Thee Stallion. Totally cracks me up. I think we may have talked about it on the when we did the uh, best rap of the year so far. But she's a lot of fun.
2: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And as Brittany said, you just released a song with Normani <laughs> last night, almost as if in answer to our prayers.
1: I know she's great. I'm so excited about everything that Meg's doing. And like, I really loved Hot Girl Summer, her, the song that she did with Nicki and Ty Dolla Sign. I think that was such a great, great way to sum up her own Hot Girl Summer and also the the meme around it. And I think she's just really fun and. I mean, like, absolutely one of the best new rappers of the last few years. I think she's incredible.
0: How would you kind of differentiate her vibe from, there's been a lot of incredible female rappers the past mm-hmm. few years. Like, but she she does have her own kind of niche. How would you, not to exclusively place her in that pantheon, but just maybe it's useful to kind of...
1: I mean, she's so Houston. I think she comes from the lineage of Houston rappers, and I think that she's like, I think that there hasn't been as many rappers from Houston to kind of break the charts and everything in the last few years, but I think she's kind of the one bringing that scene back. I think it's been very much, like, dominated by Atlanta and Chicago, and I think it's really great to see Houston kind of rise up again. So good. and, and
2: Also, like, I love with her duet with DaBaby, like, it's yeah. funny because it's it's such a perfect early 2000s sort of, you know, like, Hey, day of Houston, hey, day of North Carolina. And it was just like really amazing to see those sounds. Yeah. Not just reborn, but, you know, dueling it out together on the radio.
1: baby, another person I absolutely love. Shug was one of my yeah. favorite songs this year. So, so incredible. Bop also. I mean, he's just such a delight. And like his, his appearance on SNL, like his performances on there were fantastic.
0: Both he and Megan are a little bit of return to bars, too. Yeah. You know, I hate to say it, but they can rap rap, which I, you know, hip hop doesn't have to be just about that by any Mm. means, but I do enjoy that. I do enjoy rapping well in the context of rap. I know that's very
1: retrograde to say,
0: (laughs) but. Yeah, yeah.
1: The first nigga play on my body, a nigga. I just check my balance. I probably pull up to your hood and combine me a nigga. No cap. You know that your hoe told you that nigga crazy. Don't think that she lied to you, nigga.
0: Brittany, what else jumps to mind among your your favorite songs, not to put you on the spot?
1: So two of my favorite songs, I don't know if they made our list. but Doesn't like matter. They were sort of like late entries for me. Um So Dua Lipa, Don't Start Now, maybe my favorite song from 2019. It came out in Q4. <laughs> it was like... I mean, it's incredible. I mean, Daft Punk wishes they had made this song. Like, it's so (laughs) perfect. And it's like, she's someone who kind of hasn't entirely had her own personality in pop over the last few years. I think she's, like, such a talented singer, both live and on record. But, like, I think that she's sort of done sort of what the her producers that she's worked with and the collaborators kind of there, uh, like, working with Calvin Harris and people like that. Like, she's sort of, she's very pliable. And I think Don't Start Now is, like this is her like this is like super disco funk like her voice sounds incredible like i would love her to just become like 2020 donna summer
0: (laughs) you know on a mix i might put that next to uh, the jonas brothers sucker
1: yes yeah i mean Jonas Brothers, they had a figure. Yeah, I was very let's, excited. Let's, let's open up
0: <laughs> a, let's, <laughs> cr- let's crack open the door to that. Well,
1: yeah. Um, they came back, and it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. I love the Jonas <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> Happiness Begins was great. I think that, that album was fantastic. I mean, it's exactly what you'd want from them as they've grown up and kind of matured and done their own things musically. I loved Solo Nick, and I loved Solo Joe, and I think that it's great to hear what they've... Concluded as artists And what they wanted to do And sort of making A really great Pop rock album And Sucker is just so fun And it's incredible I'm glad it took off And I'm glad that they Bigger than ever
0: I think the experience Of DNC Or how do I Played into what I've heard from, the, from this uh...
1: Yeah I mean DNC Was great <laughs> I think like People did not give them enough do but like i'm glad that they kind of did like the cake by the ocean really fun just kind of wacky pop rock zone
2: i'm looking forward to when they do their reunion yeah you know like
1: because so they're still they're still around you know the drummer from dnce was the jonas brothers drummer back in the day and now he's come back to the jonas brothers i've been following along. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe now
2: that the the Jonas brothers have done their reunion, maybe you know, the administration will yeah. get back together. You know. know, like all their bands will have their <laughs> reunion talk. This taught. is a
0: little bit like if Led Zeppelin on Reunited and you're like you're like, but when is the firm? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. I mean that's great and all, but what these crooked vultures, how long are you making us wait? <laughs> Rob wanted to talk about FKA Twigs.
2: What a great Great record, you know. We've been talking a lot about like breakup records people made in twenty nineteen, and she made these
0: just absolutely mm-hmm. epic breakup songs. Which song or songs should we pick out?
1: I mean, Cellophane was, I mean, it's incredible. It and to top Cellophane, Mirrored Heart is probably my other. Big favorite from the album. I mean, just like so ornate and beautiful, and just yeah, really intricate and sad, and kind of makes me want to cry every time I listen to them. What
0: do you? I hear, I hear a little Kate Bush. Yeah, I I sometimes hear Ray of Light era Madonna, which which could could not be. Maybe it's just wishful thinking. Uh, And what else do you hear, influence wise, in in the new Twigs album? It's a
2: very like specifically reminds me of of the '90s trip hop vibe. It reminds Mm. me very much of Portishead and, and Tricky, and you know, back when there were so many of those records and. More Chiba to Maloko, everybody making those records. It seems like FK Twigs like really like focused in on this like particular time of like uh, British spacey post-funk mm-hmm. sci-fi kind of production and just really maximized it emotionally.
0: Oh. <laughs> this was not one of the tracks where I heard uh, Ray of Light, era, but not just to be clear, <laughs> <laughs> kind of is though, right? Yeah. like <laughs> this
2: is a bit like Little Star. Like that's such a perfect record. Oh my God, Ray of Light.
0: Oh yeah, no. When I interviewed Adele, I swear to God, we talked about Ray of Light for like forty minutes because it was—it turned out to be a big, like, it was like a spiritual influence on her last album. Obviously, not Sonic, but she just—it mm-hmm. makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's actually a great. I love, I love when things are influencing something, and you cannot hear it in the sound, mm-hmm. but you, you know, your soul hears it. <laughs> you feel it. Well, what else? I mean, I'll just play Almeida the salon song, which. I'll just kind of stand for that. I love the chorus. I think that she's not, as Rob was saying during break, she's not a singles artist. I um, think of her as a long songs artist. Yeah, she's really good at stretching out and working an idea at length. Mm-hmm. I just think her sort of brain for sounds and production, it's so particular and, and excellent. So if we got that, let's hear that.
2: Brown
0: For the record, it's Rob who wanted to talk about Western Stars by Bruce Springsteen. I love that. So- I love that album. I would
2: say it's an album that's underrated because it's by Bruce Springsteen. I feel like if somebody else made that record, it would have gotten maybe more admiration. But because we're so used to being dazzled by Springsteen doing something absolutely new every single year, <laughs> I think it got slept on a bit. It's a really remarkable achievement, even by his standards.
1: There goes my miracle is so good. It's so one of my favorite good. songs. Love the Roy Orbison vibes on it. Yeah, so good. I'm still
0: wondering whether he really pulled that off live in the movie, or if they overdubbed it. Because <laughs> I mean, like it, it has quite a uh, melodic leap, and the it requires something of his voice that I, I wasn't sure if he can actually do. I mean, he's acknowledged that some of these songs are studio creations because you, he is 70 years old, and and to get that kind, he could barely do that when he was 25. So.
2: Roy Orbison could barely sing those songs. He could sing them about one out of every five times he tried them <laughs> in the studio. Those records were studio creations, too. He's absolutely like in a tradition that, honestly, for me as a Springsteen fan, not at your encyclopedic level, but the man who literally wrote the book on Springsteen. but, uh, book, but yeah.
0: <laughs> The book, as far as I'm concerned. Um,
2: but I had no idea that he liked this kind of stuff, that he would want to do this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and that it's so against the grain from what people expected that I, I think people saw, like... Yet he's doing another thing that he's never done before. And it's it's a little overwhelming because he's done so much of that in the last few years between his book and his Broadway show.
1: I just want to go back and celebrate his very Taylor Swiftian rollout of Western stars where he just <laughs> posted a lot of photos of, <laughs> of California sunshine and, like, palm trees, which is exactly what Taylor did for the oh Lover Rollout, God. which I absolutely admired. That's
2: so true. Is this his lover?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like, Actually,
2: maybe I, it's his Speak I, Now. It kind of sounds like Speak Now, some yeah. of the songs.
1: I think, like, Close Tunnel of Love is... and Lover have. It's it's, like, it's
0: Char- just a recursive loop where we get you, you guys to compare yeah. Taylor Swift to Bruce Springsteen. We didn't Spring's bring down, up Red
1: Hat Chili Peppers, which. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: It's his Stadium Arcadium, yeah. clearly.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> We summoned John Frusciante back to the band, by the way. We, that uh, was with my a, favorite we, song we of could, the year. Could, Absolutely. We conducted a seance of Stadium Arcadium and got him me back as the as to our power. Yes. yes. we favorite. Use our
2: power for good, not evil.
0: Sorry, were you about to talk about Sharon Van Etten or something? Or no? <laughs> yeah, yes. 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 We, Excellent. Because like, in terms Please.
2: of, it's funny because like everybody else, I love that Sharon Van Etten record, Remind Me Tomorrow. So amazing. Such a different sound for her. And it's funny because it goes for early 80s Springsteen production. Basically, it goes to one aspect of Springsteen's career that basically nobody, including him, has any nostalgia for. It's like, mm-hmm. Back in the days when people really did think Born in the USA was a brilliantly produced album, which like people seem to stop believing like very, 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 very soon. But it's funny that you listen to a song like seventeen and it's like somebody thinks Born in the USA is Springsteen's best record, and it focuses very much on that particular sound of his in in this really beautiful anthemic 80s way.
0: Yeah, if she toured with War on Drugs, it would be very confusing.
1: One of my absolute favorite albums of the year uh, was the mark ronson album i think that was so good i think every song on there was brilliant and i'm i'm just like a huge mark ronson fan generally and so i was really excited that he wanted to make this like heartbreak disco album and there's like a suite of songs with this new singer yubba that are great find you again with camila cabello is brilliant like i think every song on there there's a great angel olsen song um true blue it's it's very good
2: Nothing Breaks Like a Heart is so amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean that's great. I mean it's just like a a really a really solid album from him. I love, you know, I love his albums and I think he's just one of he's one of my absolute favorite producers and it's a really fun sort of heartbreak heartbreak disco.
2: What's your favorite from it?
1: Um I think Mind You Again with the great bridge where it's just like go to therapy twice a week.
0: Breaks Like a Heart Heard you on the phone last night We live and die by pretty lies Huh, I completely missed this album entirely I just it's didn't so listen to good. it good, yeah I'm, I'm listening. I will have to go back to that Do we have a Charlie Bliss fan? That record's great Break that one down a little bit for us
2: It's a super sad 20-something pop-punk breakup album Raised on Blink-182 sort of like sensibility uh, but With these really heartfelt songs That song Chat Room is super intense It's a band that has its own sound in a way that they're you know, very capable of doing very poppy songs and they'd be fine if they just did that. But with this, they went the extra level toward doing like really like serious, heartbreaking songs.
0: We've talked about Billie Eilish a lot on the show, but it, we should just say it obviously really was her year in many ways. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how those songs feel also like they've been around for a million years yeah. at this point.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that, I mean, the album itself is really great and just everything about it. You know, Bad Guy is definitely the biggest hit from it and has done really well. But I think, like, You Should See Me in a Crowd and When the Party's Over, we're also so brilliant. And, I mean, I, I think my two favorite songs from from the album.
2: Yeah, and, you know, we started off talking a bit about Lil Nas X, but it is kind of amazing that you know music is still a place where, you know, this young person with just... Just their own sound, their own imagination is able to come along and like, you know, capture the imagination of such a audience with just you know their eccentricities and originalities. It's it's a beautiful and inspiring thing to see.
0: Mm-hmm. And how blatant and again, that's something we've talked about before. But how how blatant the uh, sort of SoundCloud rap influences are, and how interestingly she incorporated them into a you know a sort of more accessible. Yeah, it shows, like, you don't know where influences are going to land. You don't know who's going to make the next hit. It's all super fascinating and, and a hopeful thing is, I think, what you're getting at, Rob.
2: Yeah, hopeful for an album that is not necessarily <laughs> big on hope or other, you know, uh, positive emotions, but also just the idea that pop is still, like, the place in pop culture where eccentrics do their work. is it, To me, like, that's an inspiring thing to see.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved seeing kids embrace, like, a, a proud weirdo. Again, I think that that's that's also a really positive thing. The weird alternative thing being the biggest thing is for us Gen Xers feels nice. I think it, it feels like a thing we want. Validating would not be too too extreme <laughs> a statement. One of my favorite
2: music memories of this year it was my niece's high school graduation. It was the night before the graduation, and her friends are sitting around the campfire, and they're all graduating from high school the next day, and like they've got a couple of guitars, and they're just singing all the songs from the Billy Eilish album as if they're Folk songs, and they do all those songs. They all know them. They have all worked out harmonies to them. It's just kind of—it's one of those albums that is full of standards. Yeah. You know, I feel like this is a record that's going to be a template for what follows in the 2020s. Yeah.
0: I genuinely hope so. So, this has been today's Rolling Stone Music Now. I'm Brian hyatt I had in the studio. I was lucky enough to have in the studio again, Brittany Spanos and Rob Sheffield. We'll be back next week here on SiriusXM's Volume Channel 106. In the meantime, we are a podcast. Download us as a podcast. Subscribe to us as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe leave us a nice review on iTunes. And as always, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.